This is a Faith FM podcast. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Hello there, and thanks again for joining once again. I'm Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to The Faith Experiment. And this is episode number 47 of The Faith Experiment, and I'm calling this episode The Last Empire. Now, on this episode, once again, I have a great giveaway to give you. It is a book called An Ancient Prophecy Reveals the Future. And to get this excellent little resource that's going to talk about today's topic, you need to wait for the code word to text in at the end of the show to claim your free gift. So save this number to your phone now. It's the Faith Experiment phone number 0488-45311. Save it into your phone now, 0488-45311. And wait for the code word, which will be coming up very, very soon. And as you know, I love hearing from you in the Faith Experiment, so text me in your thoughts, your comments, your questions about today's episode or anything in general regarding the Faith Experiment. And I have a couple of shout-outs to people who have uh, texted in from last week saying that they are listening from all over this great country of ours. I've got Jody from Victoria. I've got Jim from Albury. I've got Ben from Barrel. And I have... Carly from Townsville. So nice of you all to be tuning into the Faith Experiment right around this country, creating a great family of faith experimenters. Now, we've been unpacking a new little series on the Faith Experiment in the past few episodes, and if you have missed any of those details and you want to catch up on some of those episodes, you can get the Faith FM app from your app store or go to faithfm.com.au and look under the podcasting section for the Faith Experiment. You can also find the Faith Experiment on all good podcasting platforms, making it super easy to not miss a thing. Now, as I said, we are in sort of the beginning stages of a new series. This is episode three of the series. On the first episode, we looked at the question, hey, things are happening in the world right now and a lot of people right around this country are texting in, they're asking me, they're making phone calls and they're saying, Robbie, what does the future hold? Do you think things are going to get better or are we going to keep getting things more and more difficult to deal with on day-to-day issues or is it going to get uh, challenging? Like, what, What do you think and what do these manuscripts teach? So on the first little episode of this series, we looked at the question of, can you actually know the future? Now, that's a loaded question, obviously, but on that episode, we sort of examined that if you were to be able to reveal the future, you'd have to have two sort of essential characteristics. One is you'd have to have a good sense of history and historical facts, and you'd have to have a good, reliable, sort of proven track record on dependable predictions. And so we examined The first part of that question, do these ancient manuscripts of what we call the Bible today, do they have historical accuracy? And we examined the three great discoveries of uh, the Rosetta Stone, the Behistun inscription, and of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we found that these three ancient discoveries have unlocked the ability to be able to prove that the biblical text are indeed historically accurate. Even though for many decades, if not centuries, there have been individuals and skeptics who have said these stories are not accurate, they've been made up, and so on and so on. But these these discoveries of other civilizations have been able to unlock documentation that has proved the accuracy of the biblical manuscripts. In our second episode of this little mini-series, we started to look at the second question. Does the Bible actually contain a series of dependable, 
uh, predictions, predictions that have proven to be accurate. And we looked at just a few of them in the last episode, particularly around the book of Daniel or the scroll of Daniel from the Dead Sea Scrolls, which in your modern Bible today is the book of Daniel. It's a 12-chapter book. It's about 9,000 words. And of that book we found in the last episode, there is an amazing prophecy which was shown to Alexander the Great and convinced him that he shouldn't destroy Jerusalem. And in fact, he charged uh, a team of 70 rabbis to translate the Old Testament into the Greek language, and that's become known as the Septuagint. And that prophecy was absolutely astounding. It had 12 predictive elements, and every single one took place. It talked about the name of kingdoms that would succeed other kingdoms. It described um, four generals coming up after Alexander the Great. It talked about a little kingdom coming up that would grow even greater than Greece was, and it would do uh, eight distinctive characteristics. And so we unpacked that in the last episode, and we saw how that it was absolutely unbelievable that that could be done by a human being. Because we've seen in the previous episodes that psychics realistically only have about a 16% accuracy, and that's the leading psychics. So does the Bible have dependable uh, trustworthy predictions that get it right every single detail? Absolutely. And does the Bible historically get the facts right when it comes to history? And we've seen once again, absolutely it does. Now, all of this so far has given us a, a sense that, okay, we've got a document here, this biblical text and these manuscripts that it, it begs the question, are we dealing with something supernatural? I'm going to suggest we are. But in order to establish that, we need to keep going further. Because as you would have noticed, everything we've talked about so far is what we would call ancient history from our perspective in 2023. And most of the people asking me questions couldn't care less if the Bible got predictions right in the past. They want to know what the Bible has to say about the future. So in today's episode, we're going to look at the the next logical question or next logical part to this series, which is, does the Bible have anything to say about the future beyond Babylon and Medo-Persia and Greece and Rome. And that's what we're going to unpack. So today's title is The Last Empire. So to set the scene, I want to take you back a little bit into modern history, recent history, somewhat. I mean, it's older than I am, but we'll start with a guy called Kaiser Wilhelm II, to be exact. Now, he was the German emperor, and he led Germany into World War One. Now, around this time, he was once asked to repair the roof of a very famous cathedral or a church. It's the Metz Cathedral, which today it's in France. But during the First World War, this area of France was actually a part of Germany. Now, he was asked to repair the roof and to pay for the roof to be repaired. And his response is quite fascinating. And it sets the sort of the context for where we're going to go in today's episode. He said, yes, I'll pay for the repair of the cathedral's roof, but on one condition. He says, there is a statue of the prophet Daniel on your church. And this is what he said. He said, remove Daniel's head and replace it with mine and I will fix your roof. Now, here's the question. Why did Kaiser Wilhelm II, who's ultimately the guy who's... Uh, brought the world into World War One. why would he say, take Daniel's head off, Prophet Daniel's head off, 
and uh, replace it with mine, and then I'll pay for your roof. Why would he bring Daniel into his negotiations? Now, here's what's interesting. It's reported that he also said, Daniel's prophecy does not fit with my plans. I can't accept that. Where Charlemagne and others have failed, I will succeed. So apparently there was something about the prophet Daniel, and that's the book we looked at last week in that amazing prophecy of Daniel chapter 8. But there was something in the book of Daniel, there's a prophecy in the book of Daniel that Kaiser Wilhelm, he he just couldn't accept. He says, it doesn't fit with my plans, I can't accept that. Where Charlemagne and others have failed, I will succeed. So what's he talking about here? Well, in our last presentation, we saw that the book of Daniel was clearly a 6th century BC document. And it contains predictions with a proven track record. But while we saw in that presentation Daniel made predictions about ancient empires, the book's predictive focus is actually more about our day. So in the next few minutes on this episode, we're going to look at another amazing prediction about the future found in the book of Daniel. Now we're going to pick that up right after this break. And remember, there's a code word coming very, very soon to get today's great giveaway, a little track that's going to talk exactly in a little bit more detail than what we can do on air about today's topic. So stick around and I'll see you right after this on The Faith Experiment. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 04888-45311. That's 04888-45311. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au. Watch the house fall right before our eyes. We have seen countless children die. We have wept tears at the end of dreams. No one is free here from suffering. But the life we gain through Christ cannot be taken Even though we lose it
The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Listen live or listen later. Get the Faith FM app from your app store today. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen and you're listening to episode number 47 of The Faith Experiment. And I'm calling this episode The Last Empire. Stick around for a code word coming up very, very shortly, which will give you access to a free, exciting giveaway to help you in your study of today's topic. Well, we said before the break that uh, the book of Daniel was at the center of a negotiation between Kaiser Wilhelm II and a cathedral, the Metz Cathedral in what today is France, requesting funds to repair the roof. And Kaiser Wilhelm is reported of saying, you want my money? You get rid of the face or the head of that statue of the prophet Daniel on your cathedral, replace it with mine, and I will give you your money. And we ask the question, why did he say that? Well, he goes on to say that the prophecy of Daniel does not fit within my plans. Now, what was Kaiser Wilhelm, the leader of Germany, right around the time of the world, First World War? What does he have a problem with? Why does he have a problem with the book of Daniel? Why is there a problem with Daniel the self? And what prophecy is he talking about? Well, we said just before the break that the book of Daniel contains predictions about the ancient world from our perspective, but it also contains predictions about our time. All right, let's pick it up this way. In the first chapter of the book of Daniel, there is a Babylonian captivity, which is talking about how uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he marches over and he takes uh, a bunch of people from Jerusalem as captives and marches them back over there to Babylon. Now, that's chapter one. But when we come to chapter two, we're introduced to an incredible dream that the king has. The king of Babylon, he, he has a dream one night and he wakes up and he's deeply disturbed about the dream. Now, we know from archaeology why he was probably so disturbed by this dream, because in the story, it says that when he woke up, he couldn't remember the dream. The dream was very, very terrifying, obviously, because he woke him up with night terrors, but then he can't remember it. Now, Archaeologists have discovered these things, these clay tablets called dream omens. And we have hundreds and hundreds of these clay tablets that have been discovered. You can find them in places like the British Museum. And these tablets, now we understand because we can decipher the, uh, the script, we understand that the Babylonians considered dreams to be omens of the future. Now, the problem for Nebuchadnezzar was that when he woke up, he couldn't remember the dream. And now this is a real problem if you believe that dreams are an omen from the gods about the future. So according to Daniel, 
Nebuchadnezzar calls his advisors. Most of them were astrologers and uh, soothsayers and magicians. And these are the people who attempted to foretell the future by reading patterns in the stars. The magicians, they were the ones that would call the ancient psychics. And there were also another class called the Chaldeans. And these were like the scientific elite and the intellectuals. So these men asked the king to tell them the dream and then they would tell the king the interpretation. This is how the standard operating procedure of the ancient times worked. But you see, the problem with that is, is that you and I both know that if I tell you what I dreamt and then expect you to interpret it, you could give me absolutely anything. It doesn't mean you actually have the real, you know, inside meaning to my dream. It just means that you're able to, uh, you know, creatively and convincingly tell me what you think it might mean. So the king says, if you guys can't tell me the dream, then how am I able to believe your interpretation? In other words, don't play games with me. Don't pretend if you don't really have a clue. And uh, he says, you're supposed to tell the future. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to prove it to me right now. You tell me what I dreamed and then tell me what it means. And then I can believe the interpretation. Now, these guys all got together and protested against the king. And they said, no one on earth can tell you what you dreamt, which is obviously true. I mean, who can tell you what they, someone has dreamt? And so these guys say, listen, King, it's a hard thing you're asking. We can't do what you're asking unless you tell us the dream. We can't give you an interpretation. So King Nebuchadnezzar gets extremely angry, and he decrees that if the wise men cannot tell him their dream and its interpretation, then all the wise men in Babylon will be put to death. Now, the news of this command reaches Daniel in the story. Now, Daniel is not a psychic, he's not a magician, and he's not a Chaldean, but he was considered a wise person in in Babylon. So when Daniel is uh, told that he's about to get executed, he says, whoa, 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 wait, 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 why am I going to be executed? So the executioner tells him the story, and so Daniel says, listen, let me go talk to the king, and I'll give the king the interpretation. My God can help uh, solve this problem. So the king actually does want to have the uh, interpretation of the dream. So he's like, all right, if you think you can do it, I'll give you some time. you got one night. So Daniel, in the story, he goes and does what any single person under exact circumstances would do. He goes and prays, and he says, Lord, help us. We're going to die. Um, yeah, can you give us the dream and its interpretation? And, you know, there's an old saying that there's no atheists in foxholes, there's no atheists on uh, planes that are going down or ships that are sinking. And so Daniel prays. Now, remarkably, in the account that Daniel gives, Daniel claims that that same night while he slept, he received a dream. And in the dream, he saw what he describes as a great image of a man made from various metals. He says that the head was made of gold, the chest was made of silver, the waist was made of bronze, the legs were made of iron, and the feet was made of iron and clay. And while he was looking at this amazing image, in the dream he saw a great rock cut out without hands, and then it was cast at the image on the feet, and the whole image was broken into pieces, and then the rock becomes a great mountain which filled the whole earth. You can read all about that in Daniel chapter 2. So the next scene in the story is Daniel is going to the king and he's telling the king what he dreamt. Now, the king is absolutely astonished, but what's even more astonishing is this. 
Daniel claims that all of this comes from God. He, he's clearly saying in the story, look, I, I'm not giving this to you of my own interpretation. This has come from my God, the great Jehovah. And then he actually makes fun. He says, hey, why don't your astrologers tell you? Or why don't your Chaldeans uh, tell you, scientific elite, that is, or your magicians? He says, but no, they can't because only the God of heaven can do it. And so Daniel proceeds now to pull back the curtain on the future showing the king a succession of four world empires or superpowers from Nebuchadnezzar's perspective from his own day right down to what the prediction calls the end of time, which would uh, uh, sort of culminate with the world's last empire, which is that great rock becoming a great mountain filling the whole earth. So Daniel begins to give king the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, the interpretation to the dream, which he claims, once again, comes from God. And so he starts at the top of the statue, which is the head of gold. And this is what he says. He says in uh, verse 38, he says, you are this head of gold. So Daniel claims that each of these metals represent a kingdom or a world power. And starting with the golden head, he says that head is Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar is represented by that golden head. Now, the interesting thing is, if from a historical point of view, is that we know that Babylon ruled the world, at least the known world there, from 605 BC down to 539 BC. So what happened to Babylon? Babylon did come to an end. So the golden era of the uh, period of Babylon, that golden head, it did actually come to an end, exactly as Daniel claims. So Daniel continues and says, listen, after you shall arise another kingdom and it will be inferior to your kingdom. Now, I guess that's a little bit of comfort. The kingdom will be inferior to Babylon. But nonetheless, Babylon's kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom of Babylon comes to an end. Now, we know from history that the Medes and Persians overthrew the Babylonians in 539 B.C., And we saw that in the last presentation where Daniel chapter 8 actually even mentions Medo-Persia by name as the next superpower after Babylon. So remarkably, Daniel is claiming that God is telling Nebuchadnezzar that his kingdom will come to an end to an inferior kingdom and it will be the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, looking back, we've seen that that's exactly what happened. It's time to take a short break right now, but when we come back, we're going to look at the next part of this amazing prophecy that was given to Nebuchadnezzar, but is being interpreted by Daniel the prophet. Stick around. Coming up after the break will be the code word for today's amazing little giveaway that you absolutely need if you want to dig a little bit deeper into today's topic. I'll see you right after this on The Faith Experiment. The Faith Experiment is made possible because of people like you. If you enjoy what we are doing, please consider supporting us by making a donation on our website at faithfm.com.au slash donate. Shallow I've been 
ocean and my strength forever. Oh, Jesus, come and be all I want and all I need. Be my portion and my strength forever, forever. Jesus, come and be all I want and all I need. Be the one desiring me forever. You're everything. Be Listening to the Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is episode number 47 of the Faith Experiment. And I'm calling this this episode the Last Empire. And stick around. Coming up very very shortly is today's co-ep with the amazing little book of a prophecy that reveals the future. So before the break, we were talking about how Daniel was interpreting King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And he has so far told us that Babylon is represented by this head of gold in this image. This image has a golden head, a silver chest and arms. It has a bronze waist, has iron legs, and it has iron and clay feet. And a great rock comes, destroys the whole image, and the rock becomes a great mountain. And so Daniel is claiming that this is an image about the future successive world powers, starting from Babylon and from Babylon's perspective. So Babylon is replaced by this silver chest, which we've just seen, according to this prophecy, is Medo-Persia. And looking at history, we understand very clearly that it was in 539 that Babylon fell to the Medo-Persians. So the silver chest and arms of Medo-Persia ruled the Middle Eastern world for the next 200 years, from 539 BC down to 331 BC. But again, Daniel continued and predicted that after the Medo-Persians who had conquered Babylon, there would be a third empire that would arise, and it would be depicted by a a, uh, a waist or thighs of brass. This is what he says in Daniel chapter 2, verse 39. He says, then another, a third kingdom of bronze or brass. Now, we all know from a historical perspective that Greece overthrew Medo-Persia. And the book of Daniel in chapter 8 even predicted Greece by name some 200 years before it came to power as the power that would topple the Medes and Persians. The accuracy of these prophecies is absolutely uncanny. Alexander the Great led his armies with bronze armor, with their bronze helmets, with their bronze breastplates, with their bronze shields, with their bronze swords, and the Greeks, Greek armies then dominated the world. And it's a little wonder that the Bible prophecy here actually represents this third empire by brass. So we went from a golden empire to a silver empire. Now we're in a brass empire. And so the Greeks here represented by this belly and thighs of bronze or brass rules the Middle Eastern world for about the next 200 years. But Daniel isn't finished yet. There would be a fourth empire 
in this prophecy. In fact, this is how it's worded in chapter 2, verse 40 of the book of Daniel. He says, And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. Now, this is remarkable because it was the Roman Empire that would overthrow the Greek Empire in 168 BC. The Iron Empire of Rome was a formidable fighting machine, and Rome dominated all of Europe and the Middle East down into the northern African regions from 168 BC all the way right through to 476 AD. But Daniel hadn't finished his interpretation yet. He moves from the legs down to the feet. He says in verse 41, he says, The kingdom, this is the Roman Empire, it shall be divided. Now, this is what's fascinating about this prophecy. This prophecy did not predict a fifth ruling empire which would arise after Rome. It predicted that there would be a divided empire. Another single world empire would not follow Rome, according to this prediction. And guess what? That's exactly what happens. Western Rome was divided just as the prophecy described it would be. The feet of iron and clay represents the divided Roman Empire. You see, Rome had ruled a vast area, especially in what we would today call Western Europe. But between 531 AD and 476 AD, Germanic tribes invaded the Roman Empire and these various sort of barbaric tribes became the nations of what we call today Western Europe. We have things like where the Franks became the French. We have the Anglo-Saxons becoming the English and what we call the United uh, Kingdom today. And so each of these tribes that, that Rome divided into ended up becoming modern Western Europe today and the individual countries. Now, the iron and clay, the feet of Western Europe, would last from the breakup of the Western Roman Empire in 476 AD right until the end, according to this prophecy. So this is absolutely amazing, right? 2,500 years ago, Daniel claims that God's given him this prediction that this divided Roman Empire would never ever be united again. This is, in fact, exactly how it's worded in verse 43 of the text. It says, And as you saw iron mixed with clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere one to another, just as iron does not mix with clay. They shall not cleave one to another. That's what Daniel said. This this empire, this divided Europe, will never, ever be united once again into a single empire. And yet, down through the centuries, there have been amazing attempts to reunite Western Europe. For example, around 900 AD, the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, he tried, but he failed. And then in the 1600s, Louis XIV of France, he tried, but failed. And there were others. There was Charles V, there was Napoleon, there was Kaiser Wilhelm, there was Hitler, and a European Union. In fact, Napoleon of France tried in the 1800s. Napoleon was a brilliant general and had great ambitions. Like, listen to this for a second. This is what he wrote in his journal. He said, there will be one Europe. There will be one currency. There will be one language. And there will be one government over all of Europe. 
Now, this is what Napoleon wrote. However, after his defeat at the Battle of Waterloo, this is what he said. He said, God Almighty is too much for me. Now, God had predicted nearly 2,300 years before, and the prediction was fulfilled absolutely perfectly. Napoleon would never be able to reunite Europe, just like all of his predecessors. Now you can understand why Kaiser Wilhelm II of Germany, who wanted to make all of Western Europe one great superstate, why he made this strange request about Daniel's head. He said, remove Daniel's head and replace it with mine. His prophecy doesn't fit with my plans. I can't accept that. But guess what happened to Kaiser Wilhelm in World War I? He failed in his attempt to unite Europe back into one kingdom. And then, of course, there was the Second World War, Adolf Hitler. He said this, there will be one people, one empire, and one leader. And yet the prophecy said they will not adhere one to another. And so, like many others before him, he failed in his attempt to unite Europe back into one world empire. But this amazing prophecy actually predicted that they would even try to use marriage relationships to unite Western Europe. It says in verse 43 of Book of Daniel, chapter 2, it says, They will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together just as iron does not mix with clay. You can go to a castle in Denmark. It's called the Fredericksburg Castle. And inside there are very large paintings of all the various houses of royalty in Europe, showing how they have intermarried in an endeavor to control Western Europe. And you'll find some really interesting things. Pretty much every single nation in Western Europe, the the monarchs there and the leaders there are all somehow related. They're either cousins or distant cousins or this or that. It's absolutely amazing. But all of that attempt has also failed because it says they shall not adhere one to another. Well, we're going to take a short break now. When we come back, we're going to see well, what happens after that. Hitler is uh, past history for all of us, and Kaiser Wilhelm is past. It's closer than Babylon was, but what does the prophecy talk about the future? We'll stick around after the break. We'll come back and dig into the, exactly that point. The code word is coming up right after the break, so stick around and get today's amazing little booklet explaining today's topic in even more detail. I'll see you after this on The Faith Experiment. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.
Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is episode number 47 of The Faith Experiment, which I'm calling The Last Empire. Now, on this episode, we've been exploring this idea that the book of Daniel and ancient manuscripts have remarkable prophetic Accuracy, And we've unpacked that on the previous episode, specifically about that prophecy in Daniel chapter 8, showing how that the Bible, uh, uh, hundreds of years before events, knew exactly what the names of kingdoms would be. It knew the number of uh, rulers. It had the sequence. It had the events. It's absolutely incredible. But we asked ourselves this question. That's all great and well for ancient prophecies, but does the Bible speak about anything in our time? And so on this episode, we are seeing how that these prophecies actually extend down to our day. And before the break, we've seen how that the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, received a dream which he didn't have an answer for. He didn't know what it was when he woke up. He didn't have an interpretation for it. And so he calls all these wise men and asks them to explain it. They say, you tell us what you dreamt. We'll tell you what it meant. The king gets furious and says, if you can't tell me what I dreamt, then how can I trust what the interpretation is that you give me? So he commands them all to be killed. Daniel's included in that list of people to be killed. Daniel says, wait, 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 wait. I'm not prepared to die for these, for this, this something so simple as this. I'll talk to my God. And I'm just sure that he will give me not just the dream, but also the interpretation. And that's exactly what happens in the story. So Daniel is claiming that this information is coming from God. And what we've examined so far is that Daniel's claim is that God is revealing from Nebuchadnezzar's perspective in human history what the succession of his kingdom will be right down to the last empire. And so we've seen before the break that there is an image. Daniel claims the dream was of an image, an image of a man 
with a golden head, a silver chest, a brass or bronze thighs, legs of iron and feet of iron and clay. A great rock comes, hits it on the feet and destroys the whole image and the rock becomes a great mountain that fills the world. And so Daniel is now interpreting that for us and he's shown us so far that that golden head is Babylon. It represents the kingdom of Babylon from Nebuchadnezzar's perspective. So it's like a timeline now. And then we're told by Daniel that Babylon will come to an end and there will be a second empire. And that empire will also come to an end and be replaced by a third empire. And we've seen that that second empire was Medo-Persia. The third empire was Greece. And then it makes the claim that Greece would be replaced by a fourth empire, which would have all the characteristics of ruling with a rod of iron, breaking into pieces all things and subduing all the world. And that was describing the kingdom of Rome or the empire of Rome. Then interestingly, as we saw, That empire, Daniel does not claim, will be replaced by any other empire. Daniel claims that that empire would be divided. It would crumble from within. And what's interesting is that when you look at the history of the Roman Empire, historians have spent decades, if not centuries, trying to understand how Rome collapsed. Because Rome was not conquered, it divided. It divided into ten uh, tribes essentially, and each of those tribes have become modern day Europe. What that we know today as France and Spain and Italy and England and, and Germany and these sorts of things, Switzerland, and so on. Each one of those tribes became those countries. And so exactly as Daniel's prophecy predicted, Rome did not get replaced by a fifth empire. It was divided into a divided state of ten tribes is what Daniel is communicating to us. But then Daniel goes one step further. He says there will be attempts to reunite that divided Roman Empire into a new fifth world empire. But the prophecy claims it will not happen. They will not unite. They will not adhere one to another. It says they'll attempt to do it through marriage. And we talked about that castle there in Denmark. And how they've shown all the royal bloodlines around Europe of all, you know, married cousins and, and distant relatives in order to try and keep the peace and to bring a united Europe together. But even that has failed. Now, right now, we are seeing before our eyes an attempt to unite Europe, reunite all of Europe once again. It's called the United States of Europe or the European Union. It was a, it was only about 23 years ago when I was in uh, Europe. I went there for a backpacking holiday when I was a young fella in uh, 1999, I think it was. And then every country in Europe had different currencies. It was at the beginning of the 2000, year 2000, that they switched over to the euro dollar. And so it's really only been like 20 something years that they've experimented with having a single currency. And that's had some, some difficult and, and sometimes, uh, 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 rough and turbulent success. But this united Europe is really a part of a bigger picture. If you look at some of the, the statements that, uh, the leaders of Europe have made over the last few years, like last, you know, for the last 20 or so years, it's clear in their mind what they're trying to achieve, despite what you and I think. Uh, the previous French president, he wrote, uh, a great power is being born. And he talked about moving towards the unification of Europe. 
He said, a great power is being born. And then you had the uh, Chancellor of Germany, Helmut Kohl, who said, this course, this European Union course, is irreversible. Then in 2004, right when the European dollar had sort of been all rolled out, the president of the European Commission at the time, he said, we can and we will succeed in creating a united, prosperous, democratic Europe where citizens can live in peace and freedom. And it was only just a few years ago, however, we saw Brexit. And due to a number of political differences between Great Britain and the European Union, they decided and voted to leave. And so the dream of a United States of Europe it's 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 not necessarily crumbling right now, but it's definitely not as as strong as everybody was hoping. And that's because the Bible claims, according to Daniel, that Europe will try to cleave together, but very clearly it says they shall not cleave one to another. But Daniel continues in this talk when he's explaining this prophecy to Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, you watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them all into pieces. So what does this represent? What does a stone represent? Well, we're going to unpack that in great detail on the next episode of the Faith Experiment. But coming back to this image, these four kingdoms and a divided Europe, what's remarkable about this is that in less than 140 words, we are given an outline of more than 2,600 years of future history from Daniel's perspective right down to a divided Europe, which the claim is it will never be able to unite again. And it's during that time that this great stone or rock um, intersects into human history. But in this particular image, this this one prediction, this one prophecy of Daniel chapter 2, there are actually seven predictive elements. There are seven things that have to happen for this one prophecy to be fulfilled. And those things are, number one, that Babylon has to fall to Medo-Persia. Number two, Medo-Persia has to fall to Greece. Number three, Greece has to fall to Rome. Number four, Rome has to divide into divided Europe. And number six, divided Europe can never be reunited into a fifth empire. And number seven is that this last empire, this great stone, this great rock will come and dash all of these kingdoms of this world into pieces and become a great mountain. And we'll unpack that on the next episode. But of all these predictive elements, these seven predictive elements, six of them have already come to pass. Now, think about this for a second. In sequence, six have fulfilled. There is one more left to be fulfilled, and that is the the last empire, the, the stone, the rock. Now, by the sheer force of logic, the odds would suggest that if six of the seven predictive elements have happened already exactly as they were predicted, in the sequence that they were predicted, then the chances of the seventh element, which is the last empire, the chances of that fulfilling as well, in my understanding of maths and logic, is very, 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 very likely to happen. And so, look, I have to admit that when I I first encountered this prophecy about 20 years ago, I was skeptical. I mean, the idea of more than 2,600 years of human history being told in advance by a dream of about 140 words, it's pretty hard to believe. But this 
claim forces us to recognize that either we're dealing with something that is a hoax or we're dealing with something supernatural. Now, I've already shared with you over the last two episodes of this little mini-series that there is a lot of compelling evidence that this is a supernatural document, hence the experimentation in the faith experiment. So we've already seen so far that this book has the two essentials for knowing the future. Number one, it has historical accuracy. Archaeology has proven that the the claims, the historical claims of the Bible are in fact accurate and dependable. And the second thing that we've been looking at is, does the Bible or these ancient manuscripts have a proven track record that's dependable with its predictions? And I'd like to suggest that if we look at Daniel's final words in chapter 2, he says, claiming from God's perspective, he says, the dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. Daniel's extraordinary revelation of the history of the world empires defies reason and it defies chance. And it suggests that even though our lives are often characterized by things that are not certain and not sure, and that we face a future of confusion and anxiety, especially at this time where we've come through this this period of coronavirus and now we're facing inflation and war in Russia and Ukraine and the collapse of banks in the United States and the fear of a second global financial crisis. People around Australia today, maybe even you listening right now, are asking, what does the future hold? What does the future hold for our jobs, for our family, for our health? But this narrative of Daniel, it strongly suggests that human history, our own personal history, is going somewhere and that, in fact, there is a purpose and there is a hope and that there is even destiny. And the claim, according to Daniel, is is that God knows the future. It's a supernatural claim. It's a supernatural being who claims to know the future. And the implication is, is that if God knows the future, then God knows your future. So friend, wherever you are today in your faith experiment, remember this. Remember that this document claims to be of supernatural origin and it claims that the author has an immediate interest in your life, in your present and in your future. And so as we continue this faith experiment together, I'd encourage you to put the things that we're talking about into practice. Put these these ancient manuscripts and its claims into practice and reach out to this supernatural author of these supernatural documents. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I have a great little book to give away called An Ancient Prophecy Reveals the Future. Now, to get today's offer, all you need to do is text today's code word, the hash symbol, hash FE47. Text that to 488 45311 and the Faith FM giveaway bot will reply to you asking you for some details and we'll get this book to you as soon as possible. An Ancient Prophecy Reveals the Future. The code word, once again, is hash FE47. That's the hash symbol, followed by FE for Faith Experiment and episode number 47. 
0447. So hash FE47, text that to 0488-453-11 and we'll get you this amazing book, An Ancient Prophecy Reveals the Future. Well, that's all I have time for today. Thanks for joining me on The Faith Experiment and I'll see you next time at the same time right here on Faith FM. You have been listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 0488 453 11. That's 0488 453 11. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au and let us know what you thought of this episode. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Hey, guess what? Robbie here. This is a bonus. The Faith Experiment is going to be going live. Not on radio, but in person. Check out faithfm.com.au slash events to see where I'll be visiting next. I'll be visiting towns and cities right across Australia presenting the Faith Experiment in person. So if you'd like to join me, come say hello, or just dig deeper into these amazing manuscripts and put some faith into experimentation, check out faithfm.com.au slash events and see where I'll be visiting next.